Today's show is brought to you by the Preakness Stakes. Tune in tomorrow to see if Mage can win the second leg of the Triple Crown and head to New York in three weeks with a chance to make history. The best places to bet the Preakness and all the undercard stakes are at First Racing and ExpressBet.com. The Santa Anita Hollywood Meet continues this weekend, and you can play in the $1,500 Preakness Challenge, either on-site or online at ExpressBet.com. There are more contests as well, including the Santa Anita Pick'em Contest and Show Viver. To learn more, go to SantaAnita.com forward slash contacts and now let's hear from ptf with one of our latest sponsors we have a new sponsor here at in the money media wanted to tell you about it's cut k-u-t-t this is a peer-to-peer social betting platform that's legal in 37 states plus dc where you can bet on sports politics and pop culture cut handles the payment side of things so you never have to chase anyone down for money tons of social features group chats betting leaderboards much much more cut the social betting platform that lets you put your money where your mouth is. Check it out, KUTT.com. And right now we've got a special offer for In The Money Media listeners, a 10% deposit bonus up to 100 in credits when you use our promo code In The Money. Check it out now, cut.com, In The Money. Welcome to this late week edition of the In The Money Players podcast it's the preakness simulcast show i am not ptf i am spencer luganville guest hosting once again for him great show on tap today we have four people coming on to talk all different things going around the world of horse racing we're gonna start off with eric solomon and myself talking about the late pick four at monmouth park klaus ebner joins us for some talk of overseas action then we have my main man, John Pinder, coming on, talking the Naira pick six with myself. And last but not least, we're going to the West Coast. Santanita late pick five with Frank Scatoni. And now I'd like to welcome in my next guest on this edition of the In The Money Media Players Podcast. We're going to go over this late pick four for Saturday at Monmouth Park. And if I'm talking Monmouth, i got to be talking with Eric Solomon. Eric, how are you? I'm doing great, Spencer. How are you? Glad to have you aboard. Glad to... Uh, Looking at Monmouth, I haven't looked into it after since working there last year, and it's it's nice to see you know a card where it just is a tough little sequence for a pick four. A lot of times you hear people complain like you know there's always a gimme, and there might be a gimme in this little sequence here, but a little tough sequence here at the end. Absolutely, I think uh, up and down. This is a challenging card on Saturday, and then some decent opportunities to maybe build a bankroll for uh, Preakness later on in the day on Saturday. Let's start it right off with race number seven from Monmouth Park. It is a five and a half turf sprint. It's an N1X allowance. What do we like to get started here, Eric? Uh, um, my my top choice in this race, um, I'm on lost my sock, the three, uh, coming in from Keeneland for uh, Derek Ryan. Uh, I, I liked the race last time at Keeneland. I didn't really have a ton of opportunity to run. was kind of buried along the rail, took, took some money in that race. Ran once she finally got out, did did finish with some interest. Um, I, I just think she's been facing considerably better horses. She ran a real nice race in uh, Stakes Company last year at Keeneland in the spring. Uh, she, she went to Belmont. I, I think the seven furlongs might have been a touch too far for her. But then she came back with a strong effort in the Stormy Blues at Laurel to end her three-year-old season. I, I, I think she's just been, again, facing better horses and should be able to get the trip with this field. So uh, if this race stays on the turf, she's my lone A in this race. I'll, I'll back up with uh, Glitter Up, uh, the five. It's a consistent runner, really usually better on the bottom of the exotics than on top. But, you know, a horse that has good tactical speed, always there at the end, kind of a horse that, and I think the five and a half furlongs is going to suit her well. And then on the outside, I'm interested in Tapestry Colors. This horse uh, debuted last year in a pretty good maiden uh, special weight race at Monmouth uh, at the end of August. Uh, she, she just kind of threw down the gauntlet in that field. She beat a nice uh, filly that day, Navy Goat, who was a $450,000 purchase. That one went on to win her next two starts, including a maiden special at Kentucky Downs and a state bred stakes uh, at Tampa. So I, I think that, that that horse has some talent. So looking forward to see what she does off the layoff. Uh, there, there is some rain in the forecast on Saturday, so I did also look at this race. If the race did come off the dirt uh, turf and move to the main track, uh, if it's on dirt, I'm going to use Baby Steps, the one. I, to me, she's a morning line favorite on the turf. I, I'm going to play against her on grass. I, I don't. I'm not certain the five, five and a half furlongs is her best distance. 
And I, again, I just some of these horses have been facing better horses than she has. On the main track, however, I even though she hasn't won on the dirt, I, she had a really nice race at Los Alamitos last September. Um, and then also going to use glitter up the the five again on the main track. Just again, horse just seems to be able to run on anything. I th- I think for me that this race came down to obviously starting out from with baby steps as the, as one of the favorites and just how can I beat this horse? And I couldn't find much in here. I, I think tapestry colors for me is going to be the one I'm going to take a swing with here. 68 buyer off that maiden win and just one that for a lot of trainers in here who throughout the sequence are not good off layoffs. Kathleen Damasi, 24%, not the best ROI, but definitely one that I want to use off these type of layoffs. Workouts aren't anything to, you know, scream about, but they seem just to be, you know, four since April. So this horse is kind of in a little bit of a sequence here. want to use this one. And then I'm just going to go back to baby steps as my other loan a, because if you look at it, since the trainer switch off of Ryan Hansen to Jorge Delgado, 76, 76, nothing else in this race really kind of matches up except for a horse, like lost my sock. But for her, I just wonder if second off the layoff for Derek Anderson, we may not see the best step forward. So I'm going to try and get baby steps here. I know Delgado usually once he gets them good, they stay good for more than a couple of races. So for me, I'm going to go nine one as my A's. Let's move on to the next race. Race number eight for Monmouth Park. It is the Spruce Fear Handicap. Six furlongs on the dirt. I couldn't come up with much in here. I feel, I feel like overall I can run for Claudio Gonzalez. Take out that last race in the slop. That Monmouth race, two back, was a win. 74 buyer fits super solid against this type of gr- group. And then I thought the number eight, Beach Days, I'm going to back up as my lone B. Just one that's in excellent form right now over at Parks and now takes the little van right over. But 59, 77, 75, 80, nice improvement on the buyers. This one has been hitting the board consistently over the last four. That route to sprint as well. Seven starters, 43%, $3.54 ROI. This is something that Feral Man seems to do quite well, getting them to turn back. So very interested to see if this one can kind of do what it did previously in the PPs, going from mile and 70 at Monmouth down to six at Monmouth. What about you, Eric? So um, yeah, these New Jersey bred stakes races, they always come up. Uh, I always think they're pretty challenging races just because, you know, there's not a ton of opportunities for New Jersey bred horses. And, and a lot of times in these races, you're going to find horses that may be doing things that they don't like to do best, whether it's racing on the dirt when they're better on the turf. Maybe they're sprinting instead of, but they're better going two turns and vice versa. Uh, Mia's Crusade, I I think, is a horse. I always look for horses that might be able to just, that are happiest doing what the condition of the race is. And I I think Mia's Crusade, six furlongs, fits her very well. She came back off the layoff last year on a wet track, and she she was a little bit keen and and just kind of jumped to the front end and never turned back. That's the kind of horse that was running all weekend last weekend, just a front-end horse. Some might be a little bit quicker from the gate, but but again, I, I just I like that race last year. I, I've I've liked this horse for a while. Um, I'm gonna put her on top on the A line along with uh, the eight Beach Days. Who you like? I, I like that this horse has a recency edge over many of the horses that are coming off layoffs. It's something we typically see this time of year with New Jersey bred races uh, at, at Monmouth. So I, I usually am looking for a horse that, that's been running a little more recently, as opposed to you know I haven't seen him on the track since you know late summer, or early fall. Um, she's probably better going two turns, but her, her one-term form is good. Um, she she has two of her c- four career victories at one turn. She's a track and distance winner last year, so I, I don't mind the cutback for her. Uh, on the B-line, I'm going to look at Bramble Bay. This is a horse that probably prefers to be on turf, but but is certainly capable on the main track. She was third in this race last year. Um, I, I can run the, the morning line favorite. I, I've got a couple knocks on this horse. Um if the track comes up wet, I, I really this horse really has not run that well on a wet track. And also kind of watching to see how the track is playing. L- last weekend on Saturday and Sunday, you, you need it to be near the front of the um if you wanted to have a shot. I, I think between the two days, I think the furthest anybody came from off the off the lead was about two and a half lengths. And and that's not who this horse is. So to me, if you know, it looks like it's, you know, a pretty speed favoring track again on Saturday. Uh, I'm probably not going to use her at all. If it looks like the track's a little bit more fair, I, I may cover with her on the C line, but 
I, I think she's a favorite that I can play against in this race. Love that analysis. This one, race number nine from Monmouth Park. It's another N1X five and a half on the turf course. This one was a uh, kind of a skull buster. I really wanted to play against Chad Brown. The, the two that I ended up coming up with to try to also beat this one, but I think the Anna Carinine horse is going to end up as an A as, as well. A very, very low A. I pretty much want to make it a B, but 71 and 80. Chad just seems to have this one improving coming from overseas, and I just didn't see much in here that was going to jump up, and A, that could even run that high of a figure. And so for me, this one's going to end up as an A. Chrome Plated Heart is going to be the other A for Michael Trombetta, coming off that really excellent race over the synthetic at Gulfstream Park. But if you look back through, it does have figures that at least make this one somewhat competitive against the rest of the field if the Chad Brown horse doesn't show up 100%. 75 and 72, the two back coming out of the Jorge Delgado barn. And usually a lot of trainers don't improve going out of Jorge's barn into someone else's barn. So the fact that Trombetta got this one to improve a bunch, definitely a positive for me. And just overall going through big temptations to me. This big, gigantic bullet workout. I get it. It's on dirt, not on turf. But I just wonder, and if you go back through, this one has figures. Has an 80 way back at Gulfstream Park. It was routing. But this one has figures on turf. And at 12 to 1, I just wonder if at this point this this four-year-old filly is just coming around and just for some reason super, super likes this course. Has never been at Monmouth Park. So I just wonder if maybe this one will take a big step forward here at 12 to 1 and we can kind of get ahead of the line here. And Eric, how are we going to uh, finish out this penultimate leg here in the pick four? Um, I'm not going to try and beat Anna Karenina in this race. Um, I kind of agree with everything you said about her. It's Chad Brown is 31% at mom win percentage at Monmouth. He just started off the meetup fire on fire uh, four or six winners uh, last weekend. Um, he, he's got horses stabled here for the first time. Uh, and this is one of them. Her, her last race at Aqueduct, she, she kind of was chasing just, just a, a runaway speed kind of horse who, who just lasted on, on a course that was pretty kind at that time to a uh, front end speed over at Aqueduct. Uh, I, I just, and again, kind of, kind of like I thought within the seventh race, she's just been facing a lot better horses mm-hmm. um, in here. I'm with you on Chrome Plated Heart. Uh, she's going to be on the B line for me and Explosive uh, Exchange, the four horse. Um, she's coming at, she actually debuted in that same race that Tapestry Colors in the seventh race came out of last year. She came back and, and she was a winner at Tampa um, in her second career start. And she went to three starts where she wasn't sprinting on the turf. She, she did, uh, tried the synthetic at Gulfstream and then two uh, one mile races. They weren't terrible efforts, but she, she's back sprinting on grass, and I think that that's what this horse is going to want to do. So for me, those, those are the two horses that I'm going to back up with. But but I think on grass, Anna Karenina is the one to beat. Uh, if this race does get uh, taken off the turf, uh, I'm looking at, uh, you know, again, it's kind of hard to figure out who's going to stay and who's going to go because if uh, there's not a lot of speed if, if this race does come off, at least it doesn't seem to be. Uh, hazardous humor and Western lane. The, those are the two. I'm going to be the a horses for me. Um, hazardous humor cutting the last two efforts at Gulfstream and seven furlongs were strong and just, just on dirt. I, I haven't seen anybody that can kind of match those uh, speed figures. Uh, don't love the cutback. It's a five and a half, but, but again, it's going to be a softer group if it's off the turf. Um, Western lane, another one uh, was a winner on the dirt at Aqueduct three back um, makes sense in this race. And then uh, back up on dirt, a uh, captain's daughter, de- definitely one that prefers the dirt over turf. Um, you know, probably isn't officially a main track only, but but would would make sense as a main track only in this race. So those would be the three I'd use on the main track. Let's move on to the final race of this pick four, race number ten from Monmouth Park, Maiden Claimer, one mile on the dirt. Eric, how are we getting paid? Whew. Uh, we're, we're gonna try and fan out in this race, uh, yeah. which is. Uh, <laughs> I put three horses on the A line. I ended up with Prince Ghost as my uh, top pick here. Um, fourth career start. The, the two on dirt were uh, sprinting were, were both solid. Uh, this horse is a half to Woodline, who was a winner in his first race on this course. Uh, took him twelve times to break his maiden, but he stepped on the Mammoth turf, uh, Mammoth uh, course last week and was an easy winner. Uh, so, so I'm hoping maybe there's just an affinity for the course in the bloodline somewhere. Um, and, you know, from a speed figure perspective, he, he kind of fits with this group. I think he'll get the stretch out that the dam was a sprinter, but 
uh, with Ghost Zapper influence there, I, I think we'll be okay. Uh, Wednesday night, lad, this horse really hasn't shown anything in two starts. Um, but, but the first race, at least wasn't awful initially. Um, kind of had a little bit of trouble in the turn, um, and then just kind of faded out of the picture. Uh, did, didn't break at all last time out. Um, just, just kind of cost all chance at the break. This is a significant drop in class. This horse that was beaten by Slip Mahoney two starts back. So, so there's no one close to that in this field. I'm hoping that along with the fact that uh, first time gelding today might just see a better effort from that one. And then gun, right? Another Kathleen O'Connell. She has the six also. Um, so in two starts on turf, the first race was competitive, kind of regressed a little bit last time out. Uh, the distance won't be a question for this one. Uh, whether or not can get the dirt, certainly the pedigree suggests that, that this one can handle the main track. Um so, so those would be the three I'll use on top. Pine Alley would be a horse on the beeline for me. Just uh, n- never really uh, been on the board four or five times, but never really been close. Uh, I do think this is a softer group that is facing today, though. Um, the, the two morning line favorites to me, just, just uh, the Antonov and uh, the five horse, or excuse me, the seven horse homeschool. Uh, not really a fan of either. It's just not a, I don't love those professional maidens in this race, a uh, homeschool kind of stepped up and ran a big race out of nowhere last time really has been a while since they've been able to put those two big efforts together though. Um, Antonov is a little more consistent. I'll probably put that one on the like that. That would be like a saver for me. Just um, turf and dirt form. The dirt races are competitive. We should get this one closer in here. Um, just would prefer to see if we can get a little bit of a price on some of the less experienced runners. I can't agree more with you. They have these professional maidens, and I know it's, this isn't Redboard Rewind, but for the beginner handicappers, these are the ones that you really want to try to beat over the long haul. For me, I'm going to give out four on my on my A line, and I don't really have a preference. To me, if you're trying to you know go through and knock one out of here uh, due to like a, a money restraint or anything like that, it's going to be kind of hard to play play the race overall. For me, we'll start. We'll go inside out. Wednesday night, lad. This is one that just I think. First of all, like you had said, Slip Mahoney two, two back, losing to that horse, but improved second time out with an awkward bobble. Didn't run a zero buyer twice, so that's always good. And I just feel that when you have these maiden special weights in here, class dropping, you kind of have to play them all if you don't like the professional maidens. It's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. I thought level up at eight to one, number four for Jose Delgado was another interesting one. Uh, coming, first of all, off the claim, he's 24%. Blinkers off 23%. Not the best going sprinter out, but I just wonder here if sometimes the barn shakeup gets these to uh to wake up. Did run a 57 buyer back at Keeneland going seven for a long, so he, he might be able to stretch out a little bit better here than most. Uh Pine Alley, the other one for me, Jimmy Ryerson, 44 last time out, off of a fast pace, but has run in the 50s three back. And then Prince Ghost, uh, two good starts sprinting. I just think that if I'm going to include three in here, I want to include pretty much all the ones that aren't professional maidens that have run in the fifties because it's kind of a four way race to me at that point. So I'm going to go with the two, the four, the five and the six to finish out this segment. I want to thank my special guest, Eric Solomon for coming on and talking to me some Monmouth park. And I'll be uh, looking forward to checking that out since I haven't looked at it since last year. So I appreciate it, Eric. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for having me, Spencer. And now we'd like to welcome in my next guest, on this late week edition of the In The Money Media Players podcast. If I'm guest hosting for Pete, I got to have my man Klaus Ebner come on and talk about some Japanese racing and also give some thoughts on the Preakness. Klaus, how are you? Good. What's going on, Spencer? Hanging in, hanging in. Just a busy day here on this Friday morning. Glad to have you aboard. Let's uh, give us some thoughts here on the on this race on Sunday. Uh, so, yeah. This, this, so, really, this is, uh, you know, one of the the biggest biggest races for three year olds around the world, and, and obviously, you know, it's primarily focused on Japanese horses. But again, whenever you have an Oaks race, it's an important race. So, mm-hmm. this is the Japanese Oaks, uh, mile and a half I, I'm on over the uh, Future Race Course in Tokyo. And really, I guess the storyline here is just seeing if uh, Liberty Allen can continue her brilliance. So she was winner of the Thousand Guineas. She was also the winner of the Grade One. Ancient Juvenile Phillies last year as a two-year-old was a two-year-old champ, and you know she's gone from strength to strength. You know if if you watch that race last time out for Liberty Island in the Oaks, 
everyone was kind of wondering what jockey Yuga Kawada was doing. He took her way back in the field, kind of, you know, I think he <laughs> it was almost like he was showing off, you know, when certain jockeys know that how much horse they have or what kind of quality of horse they have, took her to the back of the field, made this punishing late burst of speed. And, and yeah, I think everyone, you know, if they didn't take notice of her before that race, that certainly kind of made everyone aware that, hey, this is uh, this really is no joke. I do think the race goes through her. You know, she's three for four, has raced over Tokyo. Um, and again, that that effort last time out is, for me, showed no no issue with getting the additional, you know, distance there, going from going from mile to mile and a half, so the additional half mile. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I don't see her losing on, on Sunday, you know, Saturday, Sunday morning for us here in, uh, in North America, Sunday in Japan. You know, but again, listen, I, I'm I'm no chocking and weasel Spencer. So again, I'll I'll probably look elsewhere in the race uh, from, from Liberty Island. You know, it, for the most part, the horses that she raced against in that in that uh, thousand guineas were were pretty good. You know, I think that uh, you know if you look at a horse like Kona Coast, who was second to Liberty Island in that race, I think she has every reason to improve. She's by Kidasan Black. Kidasan Black is the sire of Equinox, uh, and and this one's she's out of a King Kamehameha mare, so. I think you know she has no reason why she couldn't improve again, but by being by Kitasan Black and that pedigree should have no issue with the distance of a mile and a half as well. So I think you know she's one to watch if I look at the you know the the top three. You know, I do have some questions about the third place finisher in that event, so I'm not sure if uh, you know I, I love the pedigree being that you know she's a half sister to Euphoria, uh, but uh, Parafonia, I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not sold on her being a mile and a half horse, so I'll probably look elsewhere. You know, and if I am going to look elsewhere, I'm going to look for horses that did not start in that Oaks race. And I'll probably look at, you know, horses in the form of, you know, one I was really looking at was a horse called So Dazzling. This is a uh, Hearts Cry filly. Um, had a great race last time out in the Flora Stakes, which is at a mile and a quarter. You know, finished second that day after kind of coming from mid-pack, only losing by a length and a quarter. But, you know, she's really only making her uh, third career start then. So this is her fourth career start. That race is at Tokyo as well. So, you know, for me, so dazzling is one that I think that you know could be a bit of a price in there. You know, if you are looking at Liberty Island, that one that can sneak in behind here, and then another one who I think you know has a shot. You know, we're talking about that Kidasan Black factor, and that's a horse called Hip Hop Soul, also by Kidasan Black out of a fall route there. This one here was uh, second in the Flower Cup, which was run before the uh, Thousand Guineas in Japan. Uh, this one also has experience over Tokyo. So, you know, again, I, I think I will go price shopping and yeah, I'll, I'll probably have uh, Liberty Island in there and, and you know, use a lot of horse, a lot of longer prices underneath, kind of hopefully juice up the exotics. For someone like me who doesn't always follow the um, overseas racing, you know, when you hear a race like a Thousand Guineas or even like the Arc, and I see horses in the past performances that have ran well in those races. I feel like for the, beginner handicapper or just the uh the person who's just at the racetrack for a day like when they see those big time races because they know them because they're in the public mind those are kind of what makes certain horses uh certain betters move to those horses and then you talked about the one horse that has only four starts well we just had the the derby winner you pretty much went on starting number four so definitely some interesting thoughts there appreciate you for that what well, before i let yeah. you go let's uh let's talk some preakness here what are we what are we thinking here wow uh <laughs> I don't know what to do with seven horses, Spencer, but, uh, you know, um, I, I think, you know, for me is uh, I'm just looking at this race and, and seeing the, the, the lack of speed in here, lack of pace. And I certainly understand that, you know, Mage had shown some speed in his earlier races, but he's also had this unfortunate knack of breaking slowly in his past mm -hmm. couple, including the Derby. So uh, I want no part of Mage at what will be very short odds. So I'm going to take a chance with uh, the Bob Baffert National Treasure. You know, we, we know what John Velasquez is going to do with Bob Baffert, and, and that's pretty much – I see blinkers on, so I know what that means to me. Yeah. It means that this horse is going forward. Um, you know, Baffert and uh, Velasquez have, have stolen races on the front end before, so if this horse isn't on the lead, I'm sure he'll be right there, and, and it'll be a game of catch me if you can, if, if Mage can catch him. You know, making his second start off of layoff, uh, you know, I, I think the, the – the, Saying Derby was was a better race for him than than it looked on paper, so you know I, I just again I, I have to take somebody and in, in, uh, in Baffert I trust in this in this event here. You know he's won a lot of Preaknesses in his life as has uh, Johnny V has yet to win a Preakness, so you know maybe this is the chance for uh, for Johnny V to finally get his Preakness under his belt. 
it's always interesting having a horse like that with bad gait problems. Now we have horses that can show some extra speed. And we, we've seen it before in the Preakness where horses just, you know, they go out in the lead, they walk the dog, they get the dog. Yep. But uh, thank you so much, Klaus, for coming on. Appreciate it. Good luck with all of your wagers this weekend. Thanks very much, Patrick. Have a great day. On this late week edition of the In The Money Media Players Podcast, listen, if you're going to make me guest host, i got to bring my man John Pinder, and we're going to talk some Naira, the pick six for this card on Saturday. First of all, John, how are you? I'm doing well, Mr. Lubomir. How about you? Listen, I'm hanging in, trying to just make it through the day, excited for the Prickness card tomorrow, excited for the undercard today. Haven't got a chance to really look at it all that much, but I will be, as soon as I'm done talking to you, looking up some of those plays today. We're going to talk to pick six. I know you got a hard time to get out of here in the next 25 minutes. We'll be done before then. Let's get her started with race number six from Belmont Park. It's a 30,000, not where is it to life. Six furlongs. We're on the inner turf. How are we going to get started in this one, John? We're going to get started, and we're going to start with a single. Um, I, I had a hard time coming up with anyone in this race, and I kept going over and over and over again. And I think Quick Power Nap, the number seven horse, is going to be who I who I take a stand with here. She just um, she's. I'm hoping to a return to form. Uh, her last two races have been not. Uh, I think what she's capable of yeah. uh, back in uh, September in uh, Saratoga in uh, around this time last year, she was, she was much better. And that was on the turf today. We're back to the turf. So I'm hoping that all of those things, second off the layoff McCarthy, the breeding to where I'm going to plant my flag in this first race. Well, you know, if you're going to single, I'm, I'm spreading far and wide as I can. I, with, with this runner, I'm just worried with Rudy, only 3% on the turf. And for me, saying, you know, for how good Chad Brown is, I'm, I'm more of a Christophe Clement guy. And when you get out of Christophe's barn, then I know you're trying to keep this horse on the turf and the horse still doesn't run well. I don't think Rudy at 3% is going to bump this horse up all that much. But I wonder if they get back to those 70s. I'm going to start going more to the outside with the uh, 11, I'm nervous now. Jose Ortiz in the irons for Mike Dini. I just think these last two races, back-to-back 69s, kind of has an idea of where this one wants to be at the class level, and this one just needs to find the right field to uh, to get through and get it done. We're going to move to the number nine, mostly harmless, Junior Alvarado, one of my favorite turf riders. 0 for 3 at Belmont over this course, but I think one overall, when you look through, hasn't been on the turf in a long time, but those two turf runs were a 64 and a 67, so kind of fits right in on the buyer scale and just needs a little bit of improvement to uh, possibly spring the upset. I got two Bs in this race. We're going to start off with the number three, Davili, uh off the class drop. I just wonder if this one just uh, finally getting back into conditioned uh, claiming fields. Ran fine in these races a couple back. His best figure on the entire card for me of the last 10 races is a 69 going seven on the turf. So now we're getting right back to a lower distance or um, a lower level stays on the turf. Maybe this one can kind of turn around from that 60 last time out. Also the number five candy Monet, another one. If you look through the sporadic turf races has a couple decent high 60 buyers. So for me, this is more of a play on. I don't know if Rudy's going to improve this horse off of finally getting it back on the turf from the trainer change. Of Christophe Clement, I'm going to try and spread near and far with four in this race to uh, try and spring the upset. Let's move on to race number seven. Main special weight, seven furlongs, tough distance on the dirt. I'm going to go with three here. Going to go with two A's, number six C's, the city. 67 buyer on the debut at 13 to one, kind of finished right there in mid pack, but comes out of a key race. The last two runners to come out of this race, both one so this one for me just coming back into a race usually when we see that also has a 47 and 4 2 out of 26 from the gate workout this one i think is going to be improving for michelle Giniallo. uh the number four Fruidman for chris Englehart. another one that has a really good workout this one five furlongs 59 and two yes the muddy race first time out was good with a 72 the next race not so not much better. 67 did decrease the buyer. But I just wonder if this one with that nice workout can kind of improve and keep moving on. And the one B I also want to include is number seven, Rufa. 13 starts, yes. Eight seconds, three thirds. Not one that I usually want to take a ton, but.
but this one has all the last four or five races all has races that fit really well in this race. If the price stays at seven to two, this is one I want to include. Obviously it's hard to know, but I would check the doubles before you put your ticket in. That way you can kind of take an idea if this one's going to take a ton of money. If this one goes under sub two to one, I wouldn't want anything to do with this one. What are we doing in this one, John? You know, it's a little scary because anytime we're, uh, we're together on, oh, on most of the picks, but it's got to go. Rip it up. <laughs> tell, tell the listeners to, yeah, just go. These are the horses that you don't play. Spread and go to everything <laughs> No. <laughs> I do like six, seize the city, all for the exact same uh, angles that, that you were looking at there. Um, freed me in. I don't, I didn't, I wouldn't, I don't know if, 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 Let's see these guys or girls. These I don't know if he wants the distance. That was my only concern there. Uh, been working out, like you pointed out, really good. Inglehart and um, and Cancel do well together. I just I'm just concerned about the uh, the seven furlongs with that one. The only on, the one Spence that I wanted to mention was the number two. What a Mesa, um, <clears throat> first time starter. Works looks really good. Um, this is a homebred Rob Atlas. Just one that I wanted to try and get in 10 to one on the line. Wouldn't want to, to get burned if, if I didn't have that one. And since I singled in the first layer, do a couple of little things here and there as I progress. So, uh, same horses for me four, six, seven, and I'd add the two. I, I think as well, when you just look through the race as well, the fact that you singled in the first race and I went so deep, I would have also included the two on a skinnier ticket, but just kind of ran out of cash. Let's move on to the next race. Race number eight from Belmont Park and N1X Allowance. Six furlongs on the dirt. This is where I kind of tend to want to, you know, try and find a way that I can get a little bit skinnier. I'm only going too deep in this race, but 1A. Uh, Big Wine, the number two, Dylan Davis, Edward uh, Allard. If you look at this horse last year, was in the fantasy, the Black-Eyed Susan. This one had just what places it wanted to go. Leaves Daniel Pete's barn. Now has a 101 and an 88 in a listed stake and an allowance. Now we take the time off. I just feel like this one is one that has the skill to get this, the race done in this N1X. If I'm going to include another one, it's just going to be the maiden winner, Amoretti, for Belmont. One by seven last time out. If for some reason the two does not fire off the layoff, I do want to include the five as a B. Where are we going in this one, John? I am going to single again. He spent a, I spent a little bit of time on this race, too, and it's like I, I think pace is going to be a, mm-hmm. an, a contributing factor here. And um, lots of speed on the one. I don't know if she wants to – I don't know if she's good enough to because she's just going to be straight speed. Down on the inside, she's going to have to go. She's got speed to her outside with, like, uh, the horse you like, um, the number two. And so I just, just looking at how potentially the race may play out from a pace perspective, junior Alvarado on the outside with the horse that's also got good speed, but can be more tactical. I think just from out there, just from post position draw. So I landed on the five. I'm already. Let's move on to the next race. That being race number nine from Belmont park It is a starter allowance, 50,000, six and a half, on the dirt, Th- this one for me, I-, I only ended up with two, and I think I need more. But we're going to start off with my top pick, the number eight, Icy Reply, Eric Cancel with James Ferraro. I just see the sense that coming all over in the claim three back, had that first race and has pretty much improved the last two times out. The last one in the mud was a solid run at this exact class. 18-1, to ran second by four lengths. If we can kind of figure out this one and get another solid price at like five, six, seven, eight to one like that, this one can start sliding up the, the uh, mm-hmm. odds pole. I think you're going to find a little bit of extra incentive on this one. Does like to stay at least around the pace, you know, in that stalker, the top four type role. Other one I'm going to include as my lone B. Uh, listen, I'm choosing all the hard names that are hard for me at least. Uh, Mergavilloso for Richard Dutrow. Another one that I think a lot of people are going to single. I just don't know where this, why this horse is in this race, except for just to not get claimed. But that's not always a reason to get the W. So I think they just either couldn't find something in the condition book for this one. So this is where they have to go. And 
when you don't have a specific idea and plan for your horse and you just have to end up somewhere, to me, that's not always the best thing to see on race day. I'm including as a B, but I'm not 100%, you know, excited to have this one on my ticket. What about you, John? Yeah, I felt the same way. And I, I was going to try and miss with with the four horse whose name I won't try and pronounce because I wouldn't do a good enough job as you did. Um, I'm going to go to the second time starter uh, to her outside number five, busting Lulu uh, ran great on, on debut. The pace was, um, was moderate that day and she just drew off like a good thing. That was going six in the slop. She gets another furlong. Just if there's nothing wrong there, I'm not going to try and get cute and, and, and make something creative. And then I also like the the eight horse that you like, Icy Reply, for all the same reasons. I think she's just finding her her rhythm now. She's she's in a really good really good form as of late, and uh, hoping, like you said, to to for those odds to maybe creep up and get some value there. So the five and the eight for me in this leg. Let's move on to the penultimate leg, race number 10, 62 and 2x seven for one we're on the widener now i feel like everyone's going to go to this wonderful entry of david jacobson i'm trying to stay away i'm going to go three deep here to try and beat instead uh into the sunrise number five for mark cassie just like the workouts here i just wonder for how good this one's been working out at belmont three back has that nice 91 going a mile at Gulfstream. The comeback race wasn't the best, but I wonder now with the workouts and a race underneath if we're going to see another improvement into that nice upper 80 to low 90 race. King Angelo, the number eight, Manny Franco, Jorge Abreu. This one has been just looking so solid, you know, at just on dirt at these type of levels. If you go all the way back to when Philip Serpy had the horse at five and a half, did run a 91 against state breads. This is another one that I feel like if you don't go far enough down the PPs, you will kind of miss out on some value here. And then number 10, Comedy Town for Michael Maselli. If you look too back at the Pimlico race, the 98 in the Laurel Park Dash, I think this is what this one wants to do. I wonder if we're going to go maybe just a bit too far for this one now going seven today, but I am 100% willing to take that chance. If you see the 98, the 93, when coming out of the Trombetta Barn, like it's kind of the same idea with the first horse I talked about. That return race wasn't the best but it has a 405 Tomlinson for the distance. So I think Comedy Town is going to be extra value here in this leg. What about you, John? I liked all of that, Spinto. I was just looking at, uh, as you were going through that, following along with you, and I did not have this horse, but uh, I think I'm going to add him. That's, uh, that's a good look. Um, the only one outside of the ones that you like, Spinto, is, um, and, and I think maybe you were just trying to, to get around it, running with scissors yeah. you just didn't want to have any anything to do with him or what i think for for me overall if i'm gonna go three deep in this leg i just can't include a horse that i already know at two to one is a short price and it's only gonna go lower because you also mm-hmm. have the um it's it's not so bad as the irad juice but jose always sends to with these type of runners you know they're always gonna be in that eight to five three to two range so i just didn't want to uh include and go four deep in this leg understand yeah that was the only one outside of what you mentioned that i had was uh was the one running for scissors, but I really like. Uh, I'm going to use this. Uh, will that ten horse that uh, that you put me on? So appreciate it. We're going to use the ten as an A or a B. So I got you as five eight one for A's, and then the ten as a B or an A. We'll go B. Okay. I can't put you up with an A. Well, listen, okay. I, I, I understand that. I'm, just, I'm not. I'm not that. I'm not that. <laughs> Let's see how we're going to finish out this pick six race number eleven. Maiden special weight one mile on the dirt. I'm going to go three deep in this leg. I think I'm just going to go super chalky, but uh, the number seven, Okazic, Chad Brown, 83 last time in the debut. We're in second. Usually with those second time improvements, you're going to see eight to 10 points of improvement. So this one's going to possibly run a low 90. Way, way good enough to get it done here. And then the global stage, Trevor McCarthy on the rail with Brad Cox as the trainer. Has 88s and 87s last time out. Usually you don't see horses run around the buyer par and lose two in a row. So I have to include this one. Just going to end up chalky to finish out this pick six. John, how are we getting paid here? Let me give you maybe just a couple more, especially one. The first time starter, uh, the four horse. Uh, was it Pacepi? I believe that's uh, a, uh, Vespucci. Yes, Vespucci. Um, Katie Davis, 
Horse has been working out like a monster. Um, Empire Maker out of a Tappet Dam. Uh, didn't want to get beat by that. Like you kind of mentioned, like it's it's kind of chalky and to to try and find some value. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to uh, to miss out on that horse. And then the nine horse, I wasn't completely sold on him. And like you said, Irad's on him. So it's gonna gonna take it down just a little bit. But this horse has been knocking at the door, knocking at the door in around this time. And I'm like, today could be the day, and I would wanna wanna miss out on that, especially with that last bullet. Here on uh on May twelfth, one out of forty seven. Can't agree more with you there. And with that, that is all the time we have with my man John Pender. Got one guest left, but thank you so much, John, for coming in and talking the uh pick six at Naira with me. I appreciate it. All right, let's knock it down, Spence. And now I will like to welcome in my last guest on this late week edition of the In the Money Players podcast. Someone who I always love talking racing with. We're going over the late pick five from Santanita. And if you know it's the Southern Coast, we're talking with Frank Scatoni. Frank, how are you? I'm doing well, Spencer. How are you? Good to have you back aboard twice in a couple of weeks. We're probably going to make it a third time when I'm doing the Belmont show as well. But glad to have you aboard. How uh, How's it going out there on the uh, on the West Coast? It, it, it's going really well. You know, we were, we were joking off camera that before these triple crown races, I'm kind of scared to go to sleep at night. Cause when I wake up in the morning, I'm not sure what's going to happen. So as we saw with all the derby craziness, I was kind of hoping for a uh, nice uh, quiet Preakness week. But uh, after finding out the news today about first mission, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't believe so either. And now we have one more, one more sleepless night till we see God, God only knows what's going to happen tomorrow. But we're going to talk some Santania today. We're going to go over, like I said, the late big five. And let's get it started with race number six. It's a maiden special weight, one mile on the turf course. I can only really come up with two in this race. I'm going to start with the outside horse, Annie's Joy. I'm always mm-hmm. one that loves second time out starters in maiden races, especially when they have good buyer figures. 69, a good figure, was 30 to 1 in that race as well. So a bit of a long shot that, you know, ran a respectable fourth. But the figure is really what matters here. Should run you know, a mid 70 to high 70 next time out, as long as the usual buyer progression happens. Also at the number seven luminiferous for uh Papa Padroma was another one that just, again, had those same type of figures. And if we don't see the improvement out of Annie's joy, luminiferous can always uh, come up here with back-to-back 68s and has been slowly improving under uh, these conditions here going a mile. So I think the mile is the right distance. If this one can improve a little bit as well, seems to be a good price. What about you, Frank? Yeah. You know, before we get started, I just want to say you and I have pretty big shoes to fill. Cause last week when I did the podcast with Pete and Dean Kepler, uh, we had a, a nice a B B A A A combo come in and uh, hit for like three grand. So we got some big shoes to fill, but I, th- I think we're up for the task. Always Unfortunately, I don't have anything super clever in this race. I looked at this race so long trying to come up with something outside the number three Ruby Nell, the five to two morning line favorite, but I just kept coming back to her. Um, I was going to be pretty skinny in this race, looking to single her as an A. And then uh, if I get knocked out, I live to fight another day in the late pick four. But the reason why I really like her is because if you look at that debut race, Mandela put her Uh, right on the turf to start her career. And she ran really, really good Mm -hmm. in a six and a half furlong sprint with a troubled trip. And I can almost guarantee you that Mandela probably wanted to stretch her out to a mile on turf in her next start, but tough to find, tough to find turf races going a mile for, for young fillies here in in Southern California. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to guess the book came up very light in that category. And that's probably why he ran her, on dirt in her next start. And look, she ran really, really well. She put up an 80 buyer. She ran second. Um, very, very good race. Uh, so I figured Mandela was like, okay, well, let's put her on dirt again. Lex race, not so good. Finally, a race comes up in the condition book that he can enter in going a mile on turf. And uh, when Mandela stretches them out in a mile, there are two trainers that I trust implicitly with that move. That's Richard Mandela and then uh, Tom Proctor. If mm-hmm. you see one of their turf horses uh, sprint and then stretch out in the next start, it's almost an automatic bet for me. And look, this girl cost $1.2 million as a two-year-old in training last year. Clearly, there's ability here. Clearly, she can run. So I was going to make her my single A in this race. And then if I was going to use a backup horse, I was going to land on 
uh, the horse he mentioned, uh, Annie's Joy on the outside from Mark Latt, second time starter, another one who's just eligible to improve, especially with that Kitten's Joy uh, breeding on top. Uh, this horse should relish the two turns. And Antonio Frazio, if you haven't been paying attention to uh, Cal Southern California racing, he uh, he's a, a relatively new jockey. I believe he's Italian. He came over here a couple of weeks ago, and he's really making a mark. So uh, if you see his name in the forum, don't don't hesitate. He's he's a pretty good jockey, and he's doing okay out here. Let's move on to the next race. Race number seven, maiden claim or six and a half on the dirt. Maiden claim price of twenty thousand. Came up with a couple A's. One being here, top pick, Cupid's Crusader at six to one. I just thought Alfredo Marquez, just this one. If you see dropping down in class, but has that nice race of that 56 to back, I think fits in really well here. And also the 72 from Los Al. And listen, I'm, I'm one who has always been, if you see a horse with a big figure at Los Al, which means they like Los Al, doesn't mean they're going to bring it back to any of the other circuits. And it's kind of shown in this with that one being the outlier, but you never know, can get back to that number, has shown decent stats. The next one for me is going to be the four, that being Apple Warrior. I just wonder, I showed some speed on the debut for John Sadler. Wasn't against state breads, but just this is a big enough class drop. It's pretty much the way I've always done state breads. If you cut them in half, you kind of get around the open price. So that would be 25000 So I think this one fits here at 3-1. to one. If this one can show speed, we all know a lot of times just speed will hold very nicely in these type of conditions. And then my 1B is going to be the, the one uh, splitting these two. 10th Street Don, number 5, Kyle Frey, Vladimir Seren, one of my favorite trainers. 0 for 8 at Santanita, 0 for 11 maiden. Usually those are ones that I don't like to uh, try and jump onto. But if you look back, you know, if you take out the one dirt try, has figures that just fit with the other two horses I like in here. And at 7 to 2, if the others tend to take a little bit more of the money, this one can stay above that 5 to 2 range. Usually that's about the price where I'm willing to take any horse at a price of 5 to 2. So 10 Street Down will be my lone B. I, I agree with everything you said um you know you mentioned the the, the state bread claiming condition uh, you can always cut the price in half and that gives you a good idea where they fit in the open condition so i'm with you on number four apple warrior uh, three-year-old facing elders but showed speed uh ran half a race in the debut against uh, more expensive animals he's in for much less today and look he's a three-year-old so he's already getting weight from the four-year-olds and he's getting a seven pound weight break from the other three-year-old. So he's in at 111 pounds, which is super, super light. And that makes a lot of difference in these elongated sprints at these low levels. So I could see the jock putting this horse in the race and, and just never stopping. Uh, but I was also with you. My clever horse in this race was number six, Cupid's Crusader. Uh, I think last time we were on, uh, I did the podcast with you. We talked about how uh, there are a lot of top top liners. People look at the last race, yep. uh, maybe the last two races, and if they're really bad, they move on. But uh, you and I want to dig a little deeper, and we look at that horse's debut race. This four-year-old uh, in December, as a three-year-old, uh, ran a huge, huge race in a maiden special weight at Los Al. And I agree with you. Sometimes these Los Al horses um, don't come come back to Santa Anita and their form doesn't translate. But you know what? This horse still ran a very good race against maiden special weight runners. So there's uh, a little bit of quality there. And, uh, you know, it didn't work out in the, uh, the races here at Santa Anita Park. But Marquez, very, very shrewd old school trainer, drops the horse into the very bottom, might get overlooked. I was going to use the four and the six as my A's. I will use one B in here, and that's number one, twice fooled. Uh, you know, I think we're going to see a lot of this um, in the future. You know, there's I don't know what's going on with Arizona racing. I know Turf Paradise is always having some issues. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, are they closing? Are they not closing? This and that. But uh, we've noticed a lot of time, a, a lot more of this meet. There have been Turf Paradise horses coming over here. They haven't really broken through and 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 won. But um, you know, you look at this Van Belvoir horse. This horse is running in maiden optional claimers for more expensive. Uh, uh, price tags and the horse has been running well. So I think this is the right spot for the horse puts up a live jockey in Vasquez. I think that horse can run well again, another four-year-old facing a bunch of three-year-olds, but to be, uh, you know, what I did in my late pick four column, uh, Spencer, and I don't usually, I've been trying to be really better about not using a lot of C's, just trying to stick to my A and B picks. Uh, but in this race, I really think, you know, if it's not one of those three, anybody can win. Total chaos race. So I actually have every other horse in the race as a C. Um, I just, 
I wouldn't trust anyone in here. Uh, but, you know, I think you got to make a stand somewhere. And I thought the four and the six were, were good places to do it on the A line. Two, three, five, seven, eight, and nine as C's for Frank. Let's move on to the next race. Race number eight for Santinia. It is the 100,000 Misdirection Stakes. Six and a half down the hill for me, using three in here. Let's start with the top pick. That is the number four. Very scary. Keith for uh, Kent Sormo, Ian Cruel Jack. I mean, this is just such a weird horse, right? Like, breaks the maiden for a turf paradise, then shows up and just runs absolutely bonkers races, improving 85, 90, 92. You know, running really good thirds in two grade, graded stake races. And then drops down to what is probably going to be the right drop down here in the listed stake races. I think the number four, very scary on the improve with a little bit of a class drop here. Can be very scary in this position. The next one, the number one, Honey Pants. Off the layoff, off the trainer switch from Christoph Clement. For me, it's always hard when I see someone as good as Christoph Clement. I talked about it with um, John Pinder earlier. When we leave that barn, it's kind of hard to see an increase uh, in form from that horse. D'Amato is probably the only one from all the extensive research I did back in the day when I did stuff for uh, Scott Shapiro, where I think that he's probably, for me, the West Coast version of Christoph Clement, where this one could improve. Comes off the layoff. Listen, first time with a new trainer, 20%. 25% off the layoff. This horse is going to run some type of figure that you've seen in the last five races. This one's probably a solid mid-80 to high-80 buyer horse. I think off the layoff, this one's going to be very interesting. And the price, 6-1. to one, Very, very juicy. The last horse I have is the number 8, Big Summer. I just think if you get out of that last race, obviously it's a great stake race. That's one to be run on the grass. But those back-to-back 88 show how good the form is. And this one running second in that dirt race shows how good the form is for Big Summer as well. But that is going to be my other A. So four, uh, four one eight are my A's for this race. What about you, Frank? Yeah, I thought this was a very, very competitive race. Um, I will just say this. when I when I when Whenever I handicap these downhill sprint races, I always start from the outside in because I always – uh, upgrade and give the outside horses a little bit more of a chance, even if their form might not look as good as some of the other inside horses, just because the way the configuration is and the outside mm-hmm. horses, especially if they have tactical speed, um, you know, they, they have a, they're going to, they're going to get a much better trip than a horse stuck down on the inside. So uh, I'm, I'm with you. I think big summer uh, has, has a huge shot in here should get a tracking trip. I think the problem the last couple of times uh, the horse came running on late, showed a really, really nice uh, stretch run in all of her downhill races. Uh, two back, she came up just a little short against Freedom Flyer, who's in here, but the pace was so slow, and Freedom Flyer was allowed to make the running with no one challenging her. That's not going to be the case today because Elm Drive is going to go out guns blazing. Uh, so I could see Elm Drive making the pace, Freedom Flyer hustling out to try and keep up with that horse and setting it up uh, for Big Summer to have have a little bit more of a, a fair chance in this race. So I think she's definitely one of the ones to use. Uh, I, again, again, when I look at the outside horses, I gave number nine, one silk stocking a chance. I know, you know, she's doesn't look as accomplished as the others, but she's run really well uh, over this course. Her one bad race over this course was on good turf. I don't think we'll see that uh, on Saturday. I'm expecting firm ground. Uh, she just missed in a, a second level allowance last time right on the wire uh closed into a very very slow pace Uh, i think she could do a lot better today from this outside post she was stuck in the inside the last two times the two hole the one hole now she's drawn outside the last time she broke from the 10 hole over this course she won and she won very impressively so might not have the accomplishments of some of the others but at 15 to 1 on the line i'm willing to take a shot with a horse i know is going to get a very very good tracking trip so i'm eight nine and my last A, again, I don't really like the one hole, but uh, Honey Pants, the X Factor, like you mentioned, you know, D'Amato is one of the few guys you can really trust in a spot like this. Uh, the East Coast form isn't bad, you know, would like to have seen, you know, some more wins, but, uh, you know, her six and a half races, her six and six and a half races back East are pretty good. Uh, I think she's a horse who could probably do well over the downhill course. She'll have to work out a trip from the rail. But D'Amato is so good with these imports. And look, he's running her right away in a stakes race, not even bothering uh, to try another spot uh, to give her a prep race. 
off a November 20, 2022 layoff. So uh, I think this horse is very live. And you know, Elms Drive, the other D'Amato, is going to be cutting out all the fractions. And this one could just kind of sit off the pace and make one run and, and get up for the victory. So I was one, eight, nine as my A's. And then I was also, you know, because I'm only using one horse in the first leg of the pick five, I thought I could uh, spread a little bit on my B's. I was going to use number two, Canoodling. Route speed, cutting back, that's always dangerous, always yeah. something to consider. This horse has graded stakes form. Uh, I think the last race might have just been a prep race for this. Uh, and then I was going to use Elm Drive because if they let this horse go out and set the fractions all alone and uh, she can kind of slow it down, uh, she could be very tough. She's always had ability. Something went wrong when she went back east, and now she's back in D'Amato's hands. So uh, I'm you know, I, I, I thought there was a chance she could wire it, but it's a very tough race. Very, very tough race. I can't agree with you more there. Let's move on to the next race. Race number nine for Santania. Those good old-fashioned 20,000 claimers. Six furlongs on the dirt. The creme de la creme. Pretty much bread and butter for any handicapper. I'm singling it here. I got to find some place to take a stand. I just think Joker Boy coming off of these excellent, excellent uh, workouts with that nice 59-3, uh, and 1-55 out of the gate. Listen, when you look through, this one just ran third for 50. Now is in for 20. That's always scary. But I just wonder if you look at the last two ones that were they were in for a claiming tag. Definitely better race. The 87-2 in the, in the starter allowance doesn't look good for that fifth place finish, but the buyer improved exponentially. So for me, I'm, I'm wondering why when the horse is improving, they're dropping the horse. I'm going to take a shot here and just hope that this one is uh, better than the rest. But maybe the the barn knows something that I don't. I'm with you. I think Joker Boy is the one to beat. I was actually shocked when I, you know, I always do my handicapping before the morning lines come out, and mm -hmm. I was kind of shocked that uh, this horse wasn't the eight to five favorite. Instead, number six, Strike That, is the eight to five favorite. And yeah, Strike That, I think, definitely has a shot in the race, but was claimed for 16k two back and you know, didn't win that race. And then you know, Papa Pedroma thought he could improve the horse, ran the horse in a starter. The horse, you know. Wasn't disgraced, but I don't know. Now he's dropping the horse back in for twenty. I'm a I'm a little skeptical with that horse as the eight to five favorite. I thought Joker Boy uh, held all the cards in this race. Uh, was going to get a good trip, just kind of uh, tracking the one horse who's candy, who I was also going to use as an A. Um, I agree with you. You got to take a stand somewhere. I took a stand in the first leg. You're going to take a stand here, but I thought number one who's candy could be a little sneaky. Uh, the only speed in the race with the bug boy. Yeah. Uh, to me, I thought send hard and hope for the best. And, you know, Knapp has had a, a really, really good year. Uh, you know, the horse has never been on dirt, so it's, it's tough, tough to know. But, you know, has some has some turf sprint races that are really, really sharp and really, really good. So uh, I was willing to give that horse a shot four to one in a very short field. Uh, why not? My A's were going to be one in the three. Um, I'll think about using the B, uh, strike that as a B, but you know, like you said, you got to take a stand somewhere. And I think if you could beat an eight to five shot in a short field, uh, you know, you, you got to take that because then all of a sudden the horses you have are going to, their, their prices are going to go up exponentially because you know, the eight to five shot is on mostly everybody's ticket. Can't, I mean, when you see it like that, especially with the way you get that weight break, I think that's a definitely an interesting way to go. Let's move on to the last leg. Let's see how we're going to get paid in this race. Number 10 from Santania, a starter allowance, 50,000, one mile on the turf. I'm going to go three deep here. going to start with the number five, Durante, Kyle Frey, uh, Keith Craigmile. I just think when yep. you look through these races, uh, 0 for 2 at Santanita, but has some interesting races at Del Mar that make this one fit in real well here. Another one that had a great workout last time out. Two for four on these long layoffs, but I just wonder here when you see all these thirds and seconds now we come off the layoff. I always don't like when a horse, I talk about this with Nick Tamara all the time, when they put a good horse away, but I wonder if this one just always wants turf. 86-80 in the last two, and it's at this level. I think this one will come back and pretty much run exactly that type of race, and at those type of prices, that's what I would like to see. Uh, the number seven, nine, Livin Turbo, Neil Drysdale, Another one for me that just that win last time out in those optional 50s, you know, ran a second, two back. This one has one race now against the other horse that I like, but two wins at Santa Anita. I just think that this one again, when you see broke the maiden in a claimer, came back and ran two solid races, has a little bit of um, extra, you know, extra races under their belt. So I think for that one, my second choice, 
The number eight oncoming for Umberto Raspoli in the irons. This is one that likes to finish underneath a little bit, but this is one that I think you'll you'll get an extra bit of price with people who think that. Third, second, and third, and another second followed by a win all the way back when. This one's been holding its form terrifically, and another one that has been running well at these starter allowance levels. And for anyone who d- doesn't do well in these type of levels, the way I try to handicap them is I find where those horses won the last time out or at least ran a really, really good second, and that's kind of where I make their class level at. Frank, how are we getting paid in this uh, pick five here? Yeah, this is a this is a really good way to end the end the sequence. It's a very competitive race. You know, a lot of these horses are always right around the wire. Um, you know, I I looked at your Durante long and hard. Uh, this is a very good horse. tries hard every time. Always fires. I ended up not using the horse only because I thought there was going to be a really really fast pace in this race. So I was kind of looking for someone to come off a little bit. Uh, Nothing super clever here. I think Seven Charms is the one to beat. Uh, this horse has good form against Allowance Foes. Comes back now as a gelding. And if you look at the one race that sticks out like a sore thumb is that April 3rd, 2022 race at this very same level. Starter 50 came off a long layoff and ran a really good second to just miss at uh, almost 4-1. to one. I'm expecting another type of performance like that today. But, you know, 7-2 to two in this big full field is, is nothing super clever. Uh, the other horse I was going to use as an A was number six, Lottery Pick. Uh, this horse has won two in a row, and I know broke the maiden on synth and then came back and won a starter allowance in an off-the-turf affair. So the horse has actually never won on turf. But uh, I do think there are some decent turf races to run back to. But, you know, more importantly, you know, this is simply a trainer play. I mean, Peter Erton, everything the guy sends out is live. Mm-hmm. You know, all of a sudden he's he's six for 18. He's training at 33%. All of his horses are firing. Hernandez, the best jock in the colony, sticks around. Uh, I think this horse is going to get a good tracking trip in the second flight right behind a bunch of speed horses. Uh, so I, I had that horse as an A. So two and six for my A's. But I, I went a, a couple of B's. I, I liked your 911 Turbo, you know, I was so against this horse last time because he was coming off a long layoff and we all know Neil Drysdale is super, super patient. I was really expecting that race to be a prep race. And whenever a horse comes up a long layoff and wins what I think is their prep race, they have another move forward in them. So I know he's moving up in class against N3L horses instead of N2L horses like last time, but this horse won very impressively and won easy at 16 to one. Uh, for Drysdale off a long layoff. So that horse could easily move forward today. And again, I keep coming back to this old boy oncoming. Yeah, he has a tendency to finish, uh, you know, second or third a lot, but he's a cool horse. I would love to own a horse like this. Mm -hmm. Always shows up for business. uh, You know, is always right there around the wire. He's beaten a bunch of these horses before. And if one of the newer faces doesn't show up and and run well today, oncoming will be right there again. And, uh, you know, I I think he's got a good shot as well. So, Two A's and two B's to close out the pick five sequence. But you know what? If any one of these horses won, I would not be surprised. This is a super, super competitive race. Great way to end the card at Santa Anita. Went over Monmouth with uh, my man, Eric Solomon. That was a hard sequence. I feel like for you know all the great racing, everyone's going to be focused on Pimlico tomorrow. But there's a lot of good sequences out there to uh, check out the other tracks for sure. Yeah, I made, I made a joke when we were up uh, at Santa Anita. I for, for Derby Derby Day, and I'm going up again uh, for, for Preakness tomorrow. Uh, once the big race was over and the place started to thin thin out, I looked around and I go, okay, now now this is where it gets serious. This is this is where yeah. all the real degenerates <laughs> are. So I feel like there's a huge opportunity on the second half of the card here at Santa Anita. So so don't blow your bankroll, don't get burned out, pace yourself. You know, this is a great sequence to sink, sink your teeth into. And if you have a great, great Pimlico and a great Preakness. You have more, just more money to spend at Santa Anita. So before, fire away. Before I let you go, Frank, just real quick thoughts on what you think for the Preakness tomorrow. Yeah, you know, I was super impressed by by Mage's Kentucky Derby. I won't take anything away from the horse, but perfect trip, perfect pace setup. Uh, you know, going to be be the, the the heavily bet choice in the Preakness yeah. and could certainly win. But from a gambling standpoint, I'm going to play against. Uh, I think the Baffert horse has a huge shot, especially now with first mission scratched. Uh, This horse, Baffert's adding blinkers, breaking from the inside. Uh, I think last time was just a prep. You know, the horse missed 
I think it was going to run in the San Felipe mm -hmm. uh, to try and, you know, San Felipe, Santa Anita Derby, Kentucky Derby, had to miss a race, had a little bone bruise or something or a foot bruise. Uh, so came back in the Santa Anita Derby, and I just thought he was a short horse. To me, he just started to get going when the race was over. You know, Baffert was pointing to this race once he had to replan and knew he wasn't going to make the Derby uh, with this horse, even though he wasn't allowed to. You know, I'm sure we would have seen a trader change. Uh, but I, I think that horse could wire them. And uh, I'm going to play an exact box with the, with with uh, National Treasure on the inside. And then the Chad Brown horse. Look, Chad Chad's a man with a plan, right? You know he's been pointing to this race. He's won this race before with the quote-unquote new shooters. So I think Blazing Sevens has a huge shot uh, to get up in the exacta. And you know what? If Mage wins, it's great for the sport. We got another triple crown from low-profile connections. It'll be a great story. But from a gambling standpoint, I'm all about the Baffert and the Brown. Frank, thank you so much for coming on. Good luck this weekend. You too, Spencer. Thanks, man. I want to thank everyone who listens to this podcast and the rest of the podcast on the No Money Media Network. Also want to thank my four wonderful special guests, Frank Scatoni, Klaus Abner, John Pender, and Eric Solomon. This show has been a production of In the Money Media. In the Money Media's president is Peter Thomas Fornitel. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin, and our In the Money Media business manager is Drew Coatney. I'm Spencer Luganbuehl, and may you win all your photos.